Well, hello, all you resilience-minded folks out there. I've been doing a lot of networking, travel, learning, and growing here on the farm this summer. But I'm back, and I have some cool things lined up for us to talk about through the fall and this coming winter. Today, I'm talking with Joshua Prieto, founder of Seeds of Dow podcast and online regenerative business community. He shares a story of moving from Utah to Montana in an unsuccessful homestead startup. Today, just a couple years later, he's in Panama with his family, successful and ready to try again, but very differently this time. He's sharing his cautionary tale and it points the way for the rest of us to think about our own future successes. He's a deep thinker and does a great job stimulating people to think differently. I'm Judith Farrell Horvath, shepherdess and owner at Fairhill Farm in Central Ohio. We raise hair sheep and dairy goats. We also help people get their own farmpreneur projects on track for success. On this podcast, we tackle experience of farming startups and hear the stories of learning curves in adopting a farm fresh lifestyle. My mission is to help you sidestep avoidable errors and unnecessary costs or losses and help you accelerate your own successful venture, no matter how big or small, because I believe in a future of interconnected small farms being the backbone of a resilient local food supply chain here in this country. So without further ado, let's do this. Let's open our hearts and our minds to a regenerative future. You're going to love this one. Enjoy the interview. Well, welcome, Joshua. Hello. Nice to have you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. This is uh, really fun to talk to you. We've talked a couple times in the past, but I'm so thrilled to have you here to uh, talk about your own story and what you're up to. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have this company that uh, I co-founded with my wife uh, called Seeds of Dow. And it is an education and support platform for um, impact entrepreneurs that are building regenerative enterprises. And we kind of look at it as regenerative enterprises can run run the gamut. It's not necessarily uh, based on land. So um, uh, farming and, and, and so forth, uh, a lot of the entrepreneurs that we're supporting uh, are working on land-based pro- pro- projects, but there's also many that aren't. Uh, they could be in a tech industry. They could be in uh, uh, creating a food products or in fiber uh, or a host of other things, right? But their their shared goal is essentially moving towards a more uh, regenerative economy uh, for the future, right? Uh, and being a part of that, they're taking on the risk to start an enterprise that's doing that. So that's kind of the business that that we we started. And there's a a story for why we got into that, like. The, the huge reason um, that we're excited and passionate about doing that type of work is we fell in love with this thing called permaculture uh, through, and we can get into that story and, and uh, as well. And, and, but we also were big business people, entrepreneurs and excited about um, creating, um, creating things uh, through this wonderful uh, art of entrepreneurship Um and so we kind of went in in two different paths uh, for a little while. One was this entrepreneurial gear, uh, uh, entrepreneurial journey geared towards uh, 
marketing and, and branding um, and creating a branding agency um, and a career path that way, both my wife and I. And then the other path was trying to, to build an off-grid homestead for, for a little while. And they actually were being done at the same time uh, for, for a good portion of that. So we can dive into that story. But really what it came down to is our passion for the regenerative movements, though we weren't farmers and, and didn't have the skill set, was, was something that we really, really saw. Like we loved gardening. We loved applying those principles. We wanted to live that type of lifestyle and be really attached to uh, those principles. But our skill set was lying in entrepreneurship and marketing. And, and so trying to uh, give give uh, uh, a full sense of, of who we were and how we could show up to help others, we created this business that is supporting entrepreneurs uh, through their entrepreneurial journey. Right. So yeah, that's a little bit to, to start us off and give us, give us a, a taste of what we do and what wow. that was. Okay. Okay. So just for people listening, I think regenerative is one of those words that no one heard about for a long time and now we hear it everywhere and it's kind of applied in a lot of different ways. Can you give me your definition when you talk about regenerative agriculture, regenerative businesses, regenerative practices? Yeah. So we, often talk about um, regenerative enterprises is kind of the word that we like to use a regenerative business. Mm -hmm. And um, really it's, it's a triple bottom line business approach, but it's done using principles that help us uh, regenerate the people, planet, and the future to build a more inclusive and fair economy. Right. Um, That, that really does, uh, support uh, life on on all uh, and respects life on on all aspects, right? Um, and so that's that's kind of our our definition for regenerative um, entrepreneurship or regenerative business. Okay, so it almost sounds like you're trying not to succeed at someone else's expense or someone else some something else's expense, especially the earth. Yes, yes, and and so we look at a lot of the systems that we have business systems uh that we have today are really based on extractive and exploitative systems right i'll agree, um, I'll agree. and and you being a, a regenerative farmer mm-hmm. understand that there's a better way to mm-hmm. farm for for example that's not as extractive that that doesn't um exploit uh, workers and uh, and put them in areas where they w- would be introduced to chemicals that can ruin their health or um, all of these other uh, uh, impacts. And so we're, we're instead helping to regenerate um, the, the farmer's life, the, the people that are working on the land, uh, the people that are um, uh, in in touch with the products and services that come from farming mm-hmm. um the and and all a lot of a lot of what happens is land based and then it turns into uh services and other things that support that land based uh regeneration right when we're talking about re- regenerative uh the regenerative movement and regenerative work that we're doing so when we're when we're building those types of businesses we also want to make sure that it's it's creating profit still that it's building up the, the current economic system. Uh, but it's, it's doing it. It's, it's the only place that we can 
see the type of growth that we want at this day and age, right? So many other things need a de uh, need a period of degrowth, uh, or just need to kind of vanish. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in so many ways, this is the only area that we need to see significant growth. So we but we need to do it in a way that's economically um, profitable, but profits the planet and profits uh, communities and 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 human beings, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's essentially the regenerative enterprises that we're helping. Yeah. So you, when you were trying to do your off-grid homestead, that was in an attempt for a regenerative lifestyle for you and your family, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it let's actually, hear about this. This is such an interesting story. And I, yeah, I haven't it's... heard the whole thing. I've heard little snippets. So I can't wait. We, <laughs> I got to tell you. We do. We do share it often <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, here and there. And sometimes it's just a, a small snippet of the story. And sometimes it's a little bit more in depth, but uh-huh. uh we started off feeling really disenchanted about the world and what was happening. I was working at a desk job uh, as a marketing director. Uh, I was feeling very trapped in in kind of my own bubble, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And my wife was at home with our first child. Uh, we We were thinking about starting... And for me to go to, to, to get my MBA, my wife had just graduated. Emily had just graduated with her undergrad. Uh, and she was thinking about maybe going, going back to school, but we had a, a newborn at the time. And so we were like, well, you go get your MBA. Right. And so we were kind of looking for ways to, uh, uh, find a, a home that we could live in. Well, that wasn't too expensive in, in, you know, like California or somewhere that had really expensive. So we were looking at different types of, this is where it really started actually is Emily, while I was at work in my kind of life sucking desk job that I, that I was wanting to get, get away from, I, um, I was actually, uh, having her do a bunch of research on like different types of housing that we could do. Right. While I was going to school in California or somewhere that had a lot of the places that we were looking at had really high cost of living. Um, and we were a young family. So she was looking at these, what do you call it? Um, you know, the storage units, there's those positions that you can actually be the person that managed the storage uh, area and you can oh, yeah. live on site and they pay you and you get room and board for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or you, you get free rent essentially. And so we were looking for those types of situ- situations in kind of inner city areas while we would go to, while I was going to do my MBA. And Emily was like getting a little frustrated about trying to find these situations. And and she somehow, I don't know how she did it, but she got it on this, this sidetrack of looking at earthen building. And it was something totally new to her. Right. Have you heard of super Adobe or like Earthship building or like straw yes. bell? Yeah. Those types straw of- bell. Uh-huh. Those, those types of building models. And she really latched onto Earthbag, which is building out of sandbags, right? Mm. And then plastering over it. And it looks mm-hmm. like an Adobe house. And they're really beautiful houses that you can make. Um, but you make them on your own. You can do it uh, with little to no um, cost, just material material bu- building site. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say no cost. It's a very affordable way of doing it. But you have to get things past code. And that was a whole nother story when we started going down this rabbit hole. But I come home from work uh, to, to kind of hear her story for the day and tell her mine. 
And she's like, I have something just really exciting to tell you. I'm a little afraid to tell you because it's kind of weird. I don't know what you're going to think. Just tell me. <laughs> and and she goes, okay, I'm going to show you something. And we go over to the computer and she starts showing me these pictures. And uh, she started doing a bunch of research on like how we could build this and where we could build it and all all, all this, but these, these beautiful houses. I want to build something like this. I want to do it all cash. And I want to, I want to, I want to do this instead of like going off and doing a degree or like, I want to just build a, a home and maybe like a, a little homestead. Right. And maybe is this something that we could do? And I'm like, she, you could tell she had, was like hoping that I would say yes, but was like afraid that I was going to say no. And I, and, and I was, I was lit up. Right. I was like, yeah, let's do this. You know? Wow. And it was just like, from, from there, we just started going down every single rabbit hole to, to try and um, build this. It actually took us a while to get things past code. And while we were going down this rabbit hole, we ran into permaculture. That's how we found out about permaculture. Cause we ha- would have to buy land in a rural area to get past code and get, um, uh, uh, engineered to pass off our 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 stuff and so as we were going down this rabbit hole to build this type of house and start a, a, a homestead was a, the original thought we had to have a, a decent amount of land to do that in a rural area mm-hmm. is, is what it c- came down to and we knew we wanted to manage that sustainably and that's the word that we knew at the time and we ran in, ran into like regenerative uh, agriculture and started really diving down that rabbit hole and it became a whole nother, another thing. So mm-hmm. two, maybe two years after this initial, initial thought, we, we had actually gotten under contract, uh, had gotten a civil engineer to pass off this uh, floor plan that we were going to start building ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, we were about to kind of start that, that journey. And it kind of turned into, because of what we had to the civil engineer had to actually pass it off as um, wasn't going to be the same project that we originally set out to do. It was going to cost us a lot more. It was just still going to be less than like a, a normal house, but like ended up, we were going to have to do the mortgage. We we're going to have to do all these. And we were trying to avoid all that, we're trying to do everything cash. Right. Uh, and try to do it a different way and, and mm-hmm. blog about it and do, do all these different ways of, of living. And so we decided that we were going to get out of that contract and that we were going to kind of restart and try to find another place that we could do the kind of vision, like purchase our land, cash, do build it cash and everything. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it turned into a bigger vision than, than we originally set, set up to do. So we, we figured we, before we built, we would go learn um, and go woof. You ever heard, heard that term, or maybe the viewers don't know, know it, but work on organic farms is kind of the oh, woofing, woof, yeah. woofing, woofing is- movement. Yes, yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah, I just heard that term for the first time a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we decided we would go woof on other people's farms to learn organic farming, and also learn different types of building uh, methods for our future home. Mm-hmm. And that we would do that. We restored an old airstream trailer, and go travel around doing that, and then go find our land, uh, land and then make our. Uh, what turned into be a, a thought for a farmstead, mm-hmm. right? And that yep. was that was that was our vision. That was our goal. We had set it, and we restored this old Airstream trailer. And we had two kids at the time. This mm-hmm. happened, right? Mm-hmm. So we were a family of four. Uh, 
really young kids. I think our oldest was not even two or two probably, right? Because they're two years apart or 18 months apart. Um, our first two are. And so we're, we, we, we do this and we get a little bit down the road uh, on our first farm. And we realized that our Airstream trailer has some like really structural issues that we would have to fix. Right. Uh And so we have like some structural issues. We could still drive it for a little while, but really like to do, we were going to go up to Canada, come, but come we're on the West side in Idaho at the time. We were going to go up, up through Canada uh, on the West side, go across Canada to the East side and on the East side of uh, the U S and then start coming back uh, towards uh, Montana and end up in Montana. Okay. Right. Starting in Salt Lake city is where, where we started. Oh, right? so you're really doing the grand tour there. Okay. Yeah. We had some farms Thousands that we had picked out Yeah, and we realized that we, we really couldn't do that. Right. We could yeah. maybe do a few States unless we spent like a significant amount of money uh, on restoring the the structural integrity of this, hmm. this Airstream trailer that we had already spent quite a bit of money on. And so we're like, mm, what do we do now? Well, we knew we wanted to end up in Montana. So we went and just park hopped for like a year and a half at some of the, the, uh, the, the parks there. Right. And um, looked for land, found our land and just said, we're going to, we're going to start doing it without the knowledge, without the education uh, besides from books. Right. And yeah. uh, we purchased uh, 12 acres. So it wasn't a big lot self facing mm-hmm. and self facing we started doing um, a small garden. We bought another fifth wheel while we were on the land, uh, while we were building Mm -hmm. and started building this earth bag home. Like we built into the the hillside, did Mm -hmm. some rainwater collection and we didn't, uh, we're like 40% through the build uh, of this, the first, um, uh, piece of, or the first dwelling, uh, cause we were kind of building it, building upon it year. We had a plan for each year to build upon our dwellings. Um, and we like raised the barn, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And we had a really hard time getting our build done before the first freeze and the type oh. of building material that we were using earth bag if it starts to freeze on you, uh, it ruins the the build unless you've already done your plaster and everything. And we didn't, we knew this, but we thought we were going to get some things done. And so we, we ended up not finishing our build, having to live the winter in our, um, in our Airstream trailer. Um, well, actually, yeah, Airstream trailer that first winter. And it was just really, really horrendous. But this started, it started off as this vision and then it turned into this big hairy beast is what it turned into. Right. Uh, we had no community support, no family around us. Cause we had moved away from our family. Uh, everybody thought we were doing this weird, crazy thing. Uh, we were homeschooling our kids while we were doing it. We looked like these giant hippies on the side, side of the hill doing something crazy. Right. <laughs> and then there was some people that were really, this is really cool and, and, yeah. and whatnot. Right. But that was the very few. And we found ourselves kind of getting at each other's nerves. Uh, like, I really want to keep on on working on this project. Uh, 
uh, I, Emily had, had sold me on this in the beginning. I'm like, we just got to push through this, babe. We got to, we got to work through this. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pep talk and she's like, can we just like call it, you know? And, and so we were getting through this. We did another winter, uh, did, uh, on the property, started building out some of, um, some of the pieces that we needed and it was, it seemed like we were making progress, but still so slow. Cause as we're doing that, I'm also making money by doing marketing and branding work, right. Mm-hmm. As a consultant. And, and so I'm working, trying to also work on, and we have two small kids. We're just in this, this pit by the end, by the end of the third winter, we had to really just call it quits. Right. We had learned a lot from like trying to get things past code and building our own septic and doing all these, all these things, but we were, we were hustling and and it just wasn't working out. Right. We hadn't even really gotten to the farming side of things. We, we started gardening and our gardening was producing, garden was producing a little bit of food for us, but it wasn't something that, you know, like we wanted to be having an off-grid farm mm-hmm. and we're living off-grid and doing all this stuff. And it just so so difficult because we didn't really have any ex- experience we didn't have anybody to to call upon um for that we, we were very book smart and we were smart enough to like emily's really great with her electrical and 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 she was teaching me and i was learning a bunch of different things we were we were learning but we weren't able to accomplish what we really wanted right hmm. so by the end of the third winter we froze out literally with um i i had a propane leak um our water system in our fifth wheel uh was um going to freeze because it was about to drop in into the negatives and uh i was trying to find this propane leak uh that we had before the, this big storm well i didn't find the leak it did freeze. Our entire water system froze. Thankfully, we had a wood-burning stove in the fifth wheel that we had put in. Mm-hmm. And so we were warm, but our water system froze out. And it's like, what do we do now? This is like the last straw. And so we moved back to um, to Utah, where I'm from, and uh, and say, well, maybe we didn't even sell the property. We said, we're probably going to come back and try to revisit this. So we kept all our tools in, in the sheds and everything and and just kind of packed up and went back went back to uh, our home in Utah and I had to restart and so we didn't really want to re- ever revisit this but we were so passionate about what we had learned and the the reason why we we wanted to do it right we wanted to see th- this type of lifestyle uh, happen where where we could see regenerate regeneration of of a high desert plain or regeneration of a piece of land um that we put our blood sweat and tears into and and see that happen we still believed in that but we went back and 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 we went back into the city again Mm -hmm. and i started doing my marketing career thing again where i'm in a desk job but i started a, a branding agency with a partner and Emily was a part of a uh, part of that as a creative director. And we kind of went back to like that lifestyle that we were frustrated with in the beginning. 
right? Yeah. So we're like, what do we do? We just kind of felt like we were not fulfilling what we wanted wanted to do. Um, so that moment, I'm three years after the we come back to to Salt Lake. I had built a branding agency uh, with Emily and a business partner. And we were doing pretty good. We were starting to get our first big clients and we were excited about the prospects of, of what we were building. And at the same time, felt like we, our life was being kind of sucked from us because we weren't following our purpose. Right. I was working for, uh, a lot of these companies that were wanting to see really high growth mm-hmm. in their business. Mm-hmm. And some of them were, you know, billion dollar businesses, right? Uh, one of our clients was a billion dollar, uh, billion dollar val- valuation uh, was a, in the, what do you call it? The multi-level marketing realm, right? Oh, we were wow. doing their brand, their branding work. Okay. Um, re, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing like, I don't really want to work for this company uh, as a client and have them as a client because, but they're, they're, they're paying the bills and my p- business partner's like, I just want to make pretty things, right? He's an award-winning videographer where he's a great brander, great marketer, and you have to have big budgets to do some of those uh, really awesome campaigns, branding yeah. campaigns. So we were working for some tech companies, uh, you know, this big, big uh, multi-billion dollar um, uh, company. I won't, I won't name names, uh, but if you're in Utah, you probably understand that there's a lot of multi multi-level marketing businesses uh, out there that are that are big. And we were like, no, I don't really want to be adding to a business that I want to see actually see degrowth. Like I want to see them kind of almost disappear or, or not have a need mm. for, you know, that type of industry. Cause it's just so consumeristic. Right. Yeah. So we're kind of caught, caught in this, this area. We built this skill set. We actually really enjoy branding and marketing, Emily and I, but we wanted to do something that was closer to our passion, closer to what we truly believed in, which was seeing hopefully a regenerative future at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. So we took that we transitioned ourselves away from our branding agency. Told my business partner we we couldn't we we couldn't do this any longer, and we started. It started off with this this podcast, the Seeds of Doubt podcast that you you actually had been on now, yeah. right? Started off with the Seeds of Doubt podcast. It was our market research, our way to to kind of get to understand how we can apply the skills, our marketing and branding skills, into the only place that we we knew that we could see growth because that was our that's what we had learned was growth marketing strategies right mm-hmm. and that's what we had applied and that's what people were hiring us for um and that's who we were working for but we didn't want to see most of the industries that we were working in grow but we did want to see this one industry grow or we wanted to see more of this it was regenerative agriculture regenerative uh business essentially right mm-hmm. So is there a way that we can do that? We started this podcast just to start talking to people in this space and talk hmm. to entrepreneurs in the space. 
learned a lot. And what we realized is they suffer from the same challenges that most businesses do. They need marketing, they need branding, they need uh, entrepreneurial uh, help um, and, and guidance. And so we started this education platform called Seeds of Dow. Uh, it's an incubation. Uh, we do courses. We do. We're trying to build our first bioregional hub, and really that excitement of marrying our what we were highly skilled at with our passion and regeneration. It really did change things for us, right? We found mm-hmm. through our incub, we we did a a think tank for several several months. Found someone, an investor in uh, Panama, who had built out this farm. We, we spent nine months on this farm. We moved to this farm in Panama. Did you woof realize it? that uh, you woofed we, it? We, we while well, we were we weren't necessarily woofing it. We were okay. trying to build a business partnership with them, uh-huh. right? So we we kind of learned how to do tropical for for nine months, as much as you can learn in nine months, right? Um, the a new environment, tropical farming, and and started doing uh, some of the strategies that we had applied. Um, well, you know, we, we, we have always been gardeners and learned through permaculture practices through gardening, but, uh, this was like the first farm that we were like held responsible of and, and put in. So for nine months, we, we tried get, getting co-ownership of this farm. The business partnership didn't really work out, but we found while we were doing that, that this model of, of kind of incubating and helping, um, entrepreneurs, Mm-hmm. through their valley of death, essentially, right? Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, where you you probably feel that, that same thing as a, as, as a small entrepreneur. There's a period in, in a business's life where you just have to get through to product market fit, uh, uh, the right uh, services or, or, or products that are, are, are resonating and uh, do that for these regenerative entrepreneurs. And so we, we built out our... Um, education platforms we did we've done a lot of the same marketing work that we did with the business the businesses that we didn't want to see grow now we're doing those with regenerative businesses and so we're still in startup mode still building out our own uh, business models but we're doing the work that we want to now right and we're doing it for the people that we want to and we're actually here in Panama now looking for our own property going back into that same situation almost that we did uh, several years ago. Uh, but we're doing it with with community. We're doing it with friends and we're doing it in a totally different way. So it took us that long to, to kind of end up in the same place that we almost, we started out with just with a, a lot more knowledge and a lot more understanding and a way to, to actually go about it. I, mean, I know that was a big story. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, so First of all, um, I can see there definitely being a benefit with having a, uh, a growing season that's as long as it is in Panama versus Montana, which is ridiculously <laughs> short. So let's just yes. start right there with a yay for you that you now have, um, I don't know, does Panama have a wet season? Yeah, we have a, it depends on whether we're, we're stepping into El Nino, okay. so it's different. Yeah. Uh, our dry season is a little bit longer during El Nino than it is uh, La Nina. Right. Okay. Um, and so we we don't know really what El, El Nino will bring bring to us, but we're expecting it's typically a a, a three three to uh, five month dry season, and okay. so we're expecting probably the the harsher seasons coming up. 
call it skinny cow here, right? Skinny it's cow. Sk- the skinny cow seasons. <laughs> where skinny for a, seasons. a few a few years, you're gonna see a lot uh, a lot less moisture. You know, yeah. not as much growth and those types of things. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so we're yeah. moving into that and getting getting the patterns. But for the most part, you can grow if you can find the water. You could still grow during all those seasons as well, right? Makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. Depends on so, where, where your property's at. The weather sounds a lot more favorable for you. It sounds mm-hmm. like your experience has served you well. And now you're actually working adjacent to that area that you're trying to enter. So that must make it easier as far as contacts, mentors, experience, community support, blah, 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 blah. Yes. Yes, for sure. With just the podcast and being having talked to so many people, mm-hmm. um, we can pull from those the, the resources like uh we now have friends in Costa Rica who are doing very similar uh business models of trying to build um cooperative uh farming models right mm-hmm. um and and uh yeah so we have friends in Costa Rica that are close we have friends in Colombia that are doing uh some stuff we're starting to get some contacts and uh, and friends here in in Panama, they're doing similar things. Uh-huh. And, and even if they're not doing the same thing, they're, they're doing things that help. Um, if we work together, we help each other, right? Yeah. Uh, some of that starting a kombucha uh, business here and we can provide uh, for, for them or, or provide for their own farm as they start uh, growing for, for their kombucha business. And, um, you know, those types of, ne- the network is definitely uh, been increased since our, our first stab at this. (laughs) Well, you mentioned that you didn't have family and you didn't have community. Like that was a recurring theme that you talked about. And one of the reasons that you really struggled more than, you know, you're struggling to today. I mean, among other reasons, obviously this is, you know, apples and oranges, but, um, it's interesting. Well, are, are the people that you're making contacts with, are they also, um, Americans that have moved out of the United States? Um, it depends. Uh, some of them are, uh, native, uh-huh. uh, Panamanian, uh, um, Tikas or, or, uh, Colombians. Uh, a lot of them are expats. Um, but yeah, so it really kind of just depends. We're, we're trying to gamut, the... culturally it runs the gamut. It's not just an American phenomenon. No, it's not. Uh, un- Unfortunately, a lot of the farms are that are operating here in Panama mm-hmm. are um, not providing to the, the local community. So you have like cacao mm. farms. You have um, there's actually a lot of a lot of cow and cattle here, right? Which mm-hmm. doesn't make sense because they actually just, will just um, chop and burn the the rainforest turn it into grassland for cows. And that's really not regenerative at, by any means, right? That's if we sad. want to have regenerative uh, farming for for vacas and cows, uh, do let's do cattle in Great Plains where grasslands are supposed to be uh, regenerated, right? Yeah. Uh, through through that process. But so you but even even the cows are going and being shipped to other areas a lot of times, right? There's still a lot of industry that that an agricultural industry here that does support the the country uh, and and feeds people here 
uh, especially where we're at. We're kind of even in the bread basket of Panama now. We didn't start out here, but we're now in the we're considered where most of the, the agriculture sector is mm-hmm. um, while we're searching for property. Um, but the, yeah, there's so many different, it, it's a, definitely a lot different, the, cha- the environmental challenges we face mm-hmm. and even cultural challenges that we face here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what what hasn't changed is the the regenerative principles that we use to solve those challenges, right? Um, mm-hmm. So whether we're high desert, uh, temperate climate, w- which is what I'm used to, or now we're we're um, what considered like dry forest farming. They call this dry forest because we have a a dry season, right? Um, so three months of the year, uh, we're not rainforest reinforces on the side where they always get rain all year round, which is the Caribbean side. So they call anywhere that anywhere that's living on the, the areas that have a dry season, they call them dry forests, which is something I didn't know, but that's really where most of, if you look at most of agriculture in tropical areas, a lot of it happens there because people can live there. You can't live a lot of times in areas that it's constantly raining uh, for the most part. Right. Hmm. Um, And a lot of, Things can't even grow in those types of situations um, besides huge trees, right? Um, Hmm. So it's different. It's totally different. Um, But the environmental challenges, we want to see more trees and we're seeing a destruction of the trees. Uh, The chemical, um, Costa Rica, per uh, capita, I think the the, uh, most sprayed chemically and Panama doesn't have nearly as much of the agricultural. Um, so there's less, but they still, there's not regulated sprays. So like oh. you could spray whatever you, you know, like all sorts of different crazy things here and you can spray mm-hmm. so much of it. Right. And it's not necessarily uh, regulated at all. Um, so it's, it's a different environmental and cultural challenge that we're, we're facing. Wow. So if you were to summarize the things that caused you to have to abandon your Montana venture and, you know, you're talking to someone else who's doing, trying, they're, oh, we're going to go do something, maybe not the earthen bag um, or, you know, the straw bale, but some other type of construction, off-grid farmstead. Um, What advice would you give them to give them the best chance of success in that type of a, Mountain West, short growing season, bitter winter, or even any type of very rural off-grid homestead with um, harsh environment. Yeah, I would first find community before mm. going uh, be going going anywhere. Um, find community that you can um, that you that you resonate with. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we had a challenge with with Montana, I love I love the area. It's very similar to where I grew up in Utah. Um, very like I'm not Republican or Democrat or I don't really hold myself to any party, mm-hmm. but it it's very conservative. Um and because we were doing things different, um, we were we, we it was hard harder for us to for people to understand us and they, they didn't want to understand us because 
they wanted to do things business as usual. And, and so that was, hmm. we, we didn't fit, fit into the community as easily. And because we didn't, it was difficult for us to uh, get things done and accomplish things and to have partners and to have allies uh, that were, were helping us. So I would say that's probably the number one thing is like, you can't do it alone. And we were trying to go out and do it alone. And that was one mm-hmm. of the reasons why we we're trying to break away from, from society at large to, to do this off-grid homestead and, mm-hmm. and kind of live our own life type of deal. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, um, we weren't actually really contributing to what we wanted, the change that we really wanted to see. Um, and so I would say if you're wanting to go build an off-grid farmstead in a temperate climate, make sure that you find a place that uh, you enjoy the community and that you kind of do a slow and small solution of like testing out that community, go live on someone's farm in that area or, um, you know, go do the woofing thing, maybe not have uh really young kids would be another thing <laughs> uh, d- during, during that uh, time period, maybe wait until your kids are a little older mm-hmm. uh, or um, do it before the kids and then have the kids there uh, would be another lesson. But yeah, first, first and foremost, um, start with, start out with a community, mm-hmm. right? Don't do it alone. Um, and if you have to build the community, um, make sure that you're bringing the right people in. Like there's that too. I've seen lots of people. I have a, a friend in Utah that's, that's built one of the, one of the biggest uh, towns now, like co-op town. Uh, it's a co-op farm. That's uh, they're all, they own the land together and now they're farming um, and working on re- using regenerative um, design and, and principles to, to use that land. Um but they, there was nothing there before. And so they're kind of building the town together, but they're making sure they bring in the right people that they want into that community that fits cool. their, their, their community that they're building up. Right. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would, that's, that's my suggestion is to not go at it alone. Um, to really, if you, if you don't have that and you you are, but may, maybe build the online community or online support system to be able to, to have, you know, someone like you, Judith, that, that that has the experience before you go in and just start, start doing it yourself. Yeah. I I know that, um, I had the luxury of time because my husband and I were both, um, dual income and we had older kids and, uh, yeah, we sunk our savings into buying this house and this farm, but far more than the house, but, um, yeah, the community was important. The community was definitely important and we were very impressed with the uh we have a, a decent sized city within eight miles of us we have a little one stop one light village which is two miles <laughs> in the opposite direction so they've got like a little convenience store and a subway and a dollar general and then a post office and like a, a one room library so it's just a really little town but i mean it's something but mm-hmm. we liked it we liked it i mean it was the little town just kind of felt kind of backwards, like a little town that time forgot, but it was, it was friendly and it was nice and it was a place to grow. And uh, the bigger city was really nice. But what I really loved is that they had this 10 year plan that they had put together and they had put, they had been 
they were three years into this 10-year plan when we decided to purchase land within this within the city well within the mailing area we're not within the city limits we're in an external township but this is our nearest city and what really attracted us is that there was um historical factory um there was rail service there were working farms um and this 10-year plan was for the rejuvenation and and uh just rebuilding the city and they're three years into it and they were ahead of schedule Mm. and it was impressive to see this momentum started and that gave us the confidence that we knew that we were going to be within eight miles of this city that was definitely on the upswing and that gave us the confidence to move into that community right so yeah 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 that was i'm with you community is really important and then besides just the geographical area of community you also have the people layer you know you've got this group of people in the city and that group and we're in the farmer group you know what is the farmer group like and the farmer group is a very diverse group of people you know like you said like they look at you funny if you're not doing something typical when we moved in we were told that we were boutique farmers because our sheep had horns <laughs> we had Icelandic uh-huh. sheep at the time you know and we weren't doing cash crops of soybeans and corn and a grain three-year rotation we weren't doing confinement hogs we weren't doing angus cattle you know in 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 feedlots so we were considered boutique (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean they were friendly and they were nice but we didn't really have much in common with them and we found that over the years the people that we have had more in common with have been those people of similar mind and over the years these other conventional farming sorts have started to pay attention and stop looking down on or sort of ignoring or cold shouldering and we never experienced it but we've, we were told that that would happen uh other people and more accepting and even starting to adopt some of the practices and you know then more people coming in and taking properties and turning them into formats and so even the big farms that are undisturbed we got these little farms popping up in the area and it's interesting to see how the culture changes within that farming community how it almost yeah. gets like a whole second layer of farming mindset and how they tend to blend and interact with each other and learn from each other and work together and become friendly and it's it it makes for a really rich community it really does um and although i i do not agree with a lot of the farming practices that some of my neighbors who are my friends engage in i don't think they're bad people i think they're stuck in a way that worked in the era in which they had it and i think Mm -hmm. the world has moved on and chances are when the next generation takes over they're they're going to have to change or that's going to be a different situation on that farm it's going to the farm will change hands or their next generation will change their ways or that will no longer be farm land and that frightens me a little bit because when it's no longer farmland something else moves in and that's not regenerative at all not the conventional farming necessarily is but it's an opportunity lost if the people who are in regenerative ways don't help to bring the next generation of the grandchildren and the offspring of conventional farmers into the fold by not 
saying, oh, you guys are bad because you use glyphosate. It, you know, you got to bring people along. You can't scold them. You know, you got to bring them along. You got to yeah. envelop them with open arms and, and help them the same way that other people helped you and helped me when I entered farming at all, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have to, we have to remember that. And, and that's important, but that to your point though, community is everything, but being part of building that community is so important when we're on our own journeys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's difficult to, to, to navigate those oh, yeah. very complex cultural mm -hmm. dynamics right oh yeah and 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 to to your point like you really you want to find a place that you can you can have community in but it's not going to be perfect it's not going to look perfect right um when you when you find that place that you 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 pop yourself uh, down yeah. and say we're gonna we're gonna do something mm -hmm. and and we're gonna we're gonna work with this community um and so you gotta you gotta work with um the the people that are that are there and really get to know them and 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 that's one thing that we 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 learned a little bit when we were on um building the farmstead in Montana, right? Mm -hmm. But we really didn't truly take that lesson in until after the fact where we knew that we we weren't engaging with with the the community with the farmers as much as, as, as we could, um, could have done. Uh, and after leaving, we, we realized that there was an hour away. There was still, uh, you know, Montana is one small town with, uh, really long roads is kind of the saying that they say a lot of times. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so in just an hour away from us in Bozeman, there was yeah. people doing really great stuff and we just were unaware. Right. Mm. Um, and so, so knowing that, you know, we, we, we took on a lot, mm -hmm. and, but we were so focused in on what we were building that we didn't, we didn't first go in with that, that, that idea of like, we need to really just get to know our community yeah. and get to know the people. And so from, from there on out, like after com coming back, we were always trying to figure out how we were going to come back and 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 build out the the farmstead afterwards we kept the property up until um we moved to uh, to panama actually oh, two wow. years ago right mm. so we kept it um four years after we we had left right um and so it was it was something that we always wanted to revisit but we started to meet people from montana that were in the the, the towns around that were doing really similar things, but those are the types of things that I wish we would have done first it's huh. before we, before we bought the property, even before, while we were just searching, it was mostly just, we could have, we were so excited to, to buy the land and just get to work. But in reality, the work that needed to be done was to, to get involved in the community and really understand uh, who, uh, who they are, what their needs are. I mean, that, that can help me in so many ways in business in general. Right. Mm -hmm. When you, when you get your Icelandic sheep and you got to sell the, the, the produce and products from, from them, you, you do that through the community. You do that by understanding um, the, the, the services that you can, and, and, and products that you can bring to the community. Um, mm -hmm. And without, you know, I think we've lost the barn raising era uh, in a lot of ways. Right. Mm. Um, 
but like it, there is this this small town feel and in small town town mentality though that you you go to a small town they want to help you they just need to understand how they can help you and 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 they need to have a relationship with you to be able to 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 help and for you to help them right um and so i think that barn raising mentality is is some of the, some of the what we know we 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 lacked right mm-hmm. um is being able to be a part of the community and ingrained in the community so that when we said yeah we're we're we're, we're building this type of uh, structure we would love for you to learn more about this this is something that we could all learn from right come come learn how to how to build this type of structure uh this type of barn out of uh, materials that you know is is coming from your site right that you don't have to um or refurbished wood or what whatever um different types of we were trying to do we were trying to do everything in a very purest way uh which is also another challenge you, the, and and something we learned that no one is a true purist no one is truly regenerative <laughs> uh, in this day and age right mm-hmm. uh with the systems we have to 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 live within um but yeah that was that was a huge thing is just knowing that we needed to start with community not get the land, then start building community. So you just mentioned an idea that you could have done. Like what, what, like that, that's pretty specific though, because you have this certain kind of building, building materials and building methodology. So how would you recommend to people that they actually get to know the community? I mean, you can say, get to know your community or pick the community to live in that, you know, you're going to be comfortable with. Yeah, but how, right? Like, what are some concrete yeah, yeah. examples? Well, so when we moved back to to Utah, which is still mm-hmm. a very similar cl- climate, high desert, um, but now we're in we're in urban, right, in suburban areas. Um, are you okay in Panama? Uh, no, when when we moved back to Utah. Oh yeah, before um, you moved to Panama. Before we moved to, to Panama, yeah, we got our, we we finally got ourselves involved in. The permaculture community in our local area right we mm-hmm. actually joined um the uh, kind of cooperative um group groups there um we started going to the farmers markets we started mm-hmm. engaging with the community there's a non-profit that we uh, for a short time time got on the board of that was really uh helping people understand permaculture and okay. install permaculture gardens we would do perma blitzes have you ever heard that term? No, uh, <laughs> it's uh, catchy but, though. I'm going to look yeah, it up. <laughs> so, yeah. So permablitz yeah. is like, especially in uh, urban and suburban areas, uh-huh. um, you, someone, someone does the design work, usually volunteers to do design work to design someone's yard. And then you, then you go in and you, um, uh, do a, like a barn raising event, right? I was just going to say, comes... this is your barn raising. You said is dead. It's just changed into permablitz. Yeah, yeah, and so <laughs> so the community comes in and and yeah. you get you get a bunch of people to learn how to garden in a regenerative way and oh. using permac- permaculture design principles. Wow! And and uh, everybody gets to learn. Everybody gets you know a free lunch from the the owner or whatever uh, oh. of of that uh, piece of property. And um, we started off doing those types of things, you know, seed saving events. And, oh and, yes, I've heard of those. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and and doing it more in in the urban so when we came back though we were not though we were building um a branding agency uh uh well we were gardening and doing those types of things we were building community 
right? And we knew that's the way that we wanted to live from here on out. It was like, we can't live in this isolation. We got to be a part of um, the town, the community. Um, even if we feel like the town, the community is is in these extractive and um, exploitative systems, we, we still want to engage and be a part of it. And, and that's one of the first things that we, we knew, right? So that, that helps us to get involved in the community. You could do in a rural set, setting, you do, you could do the same thing. How could you help the, the farmers um, in their, um, in their situation, under, take an understanding, uh, plant a certain portion of their farm as trees do food forestry, help yeah. them test out those types of uh, those those situations and it's about getting to know what they their needs are helping them to understand uh what's going on and and hosting being a host networking with people and and really getting getting um getting yourself involved in the work that they're uh, passionate about right and that's that's community building we're doing the same thing here in Panama uh we live more on uh, a suburban area for the time being that's right next to uh, the the agricultural area, right? Mm -hmm. And this the town the 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 little suburban um, setup that they they have in this this area the community is built way different from the U.S. But so people there's like several parks that are in our area, right? That are managed by the HOA of this this community and they they handle their own water they handle their own uh roads and and everything right hmm. with, with with the hoa um and so it's it's different there's no mailing system right there's no um i don't have a mailing address here but what i can do is like everybody sprays the parks right while well, i'm trying to get them to not spray uh pesticide and herbicide on the parks because my kids play in there and whatnot. And other yeah. people are aware of the, the, the effects, especially the, the my, my millennial generation. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're more open thinkers, but the older generation uh, is still really stuck in let's spray everything. There's a lot of bugs in Panama. They're scary. There's a lot of uh, pests and, and, and it's a very biodiverse area area. Yeah. Right. They'll cut, a lot of the older generation will even cut down trees because they don't want bugs and anything that lives in the tree. So they'll cut down the tree in their backyard for the reason that they just don't want the snakes and bugs and, and different things that uh, that tree would have. And they don't want to have to spray, spray that, that tree or whatever. Wow. But we have all these parks. Well, I, I can now engage with j just even the HOA and like start talking to them about uh, seed saving and like, let's plant this, these trees over here. These are fruit bearing trees in our parks. Right. And I have all these trees. And so we're, we're doing pro we're doing, uh, just a community building pro, um, events for seed saving and for sharing trees, like plant sharing, right. Cause everybody likes to, uh, grow citrus and grow, uh, pataya and grow, uh, you know, passion fruit, dragon fruit, uh, all, all sorts of really tropical, uh, stuff or not everybody, but there's a lot of people that do, right? So yeah. we're passing and sharing these these fruit trees around with with one another and having these types of events. Wow. And th these are all ways that we can engage in our community while we're uh, now um, looking for property 
to to purchase land, which we'll, we'll just now host those those events on our property when we when we have the farm. Yeah. Right. That brings in when when we have our first barn raising or first uh, building that we want to build because earthen building is really intensive uh, labor wise. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so we can teach these people and teach whoever wants to come from the community because we've already established those relationships, right? Um, through the events that we're hosting. Very cool. So do you think you're going to be able to get to this next stage within the next couple of years? Yes, yes. We 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 had some setbacks when we first got here. We thought we would already have the farm mm-hmm. here because we were on uh, a 22 acre farm that we uh, were going to be business partners in mm-hmm. um, because this investor had purchased this farm, designed it, but didn't have the the capacity to manage it. Okay, right. Um, but it, the business partnership didn't work out, so we thought we would already be doing uh doing it so we took a we took a a a pivot i guess you could say um and realized that we didn't really even want to be in that area and that was another another situation so like we're on the other side of the country now and so Hmm. it took us it took us over a year to really understand where we would best fit in again right for the community uh community again and and find um the right type of people uh to work with and now we're building um we have a we have like three or four uh friends that that are interested in this model but now we're doing a farmers co-op model so we're doing okay. this as as a part uh, everybody owns a part of the farm uh they they take ownership of um their own little property there uh, that they own, but they also have um, ownership in in the farm business. And the um, we're building a uh, like a hostel on the the farm for agritourism, right? Oh, neat. So they they'll also get money from the um, the uh, the hostel from agritourists tour- uh, that are coming to to stay on the farm for a little bit. Um, so that's the model that we're building out. And we, okay. we want to get about 25 friends, uh, people that we really can, can work with, um, Panamanians and expats and mm-hmm. Tikas and, and people that we, we feel resonate with the model that, that we're working with again, starting out with community to do this. We plan to yeah. do this within the next, uh, we were hoping, we were hoping we would have it done, uh, um, uh, the end of this year but that was a different, different situation. So uh, we're hoping to, to, to get this done within a year. So by the end of 2024, um, be on the farm, starting the farm. Wow. So what are you going to be farming? What's your, what's your desire for your farm? What does it look like in your mind's eye and your imagination? Yeah. So understanding what's needed for the community mm-hmm. um, has been a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. There actually is a decent market for organic fertilizer. Here. That's really important what you just said. Because I said, where do you see it in your mind's eye? And what do you want to do? And the first thing you went to, what does the community need? And that's something mm-hmm. that a lot of people, when they're starting, not I'm not talking about a homestead, but a farmstead, meaning I'm producing something for someone else, not just for me, the homestead being, and this is 
you know, my own terminology, just for clarification, homestead, I'm producing for my own home, farmstead, I'm producing for myself and others, right? Mm -hmm. So making money too. So the first thing you went right to was there's a market for this. And that is so important. It's so important because you can say, oh, I want to have Icelandic sheep. That's very cool. Besides eating (laughs) grass and feeding your family, how are you going to sell all that wool? Uh, (laughs) We'll get there. Well, we didn't, you know? So Uh yeah, good for you. So continue the story already. I love it. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, you're a marketer. So yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) understanding that there is a market for the regenerative fertilizer. Um, there's not necessarily, mm-hmm. it's not fully utilized yet. It's not a, at its full potential because not a lot of people are doing it, but people do want yeah. um, organic um, compost, organic uh, fertilizers. There's not a lot of it out there. So we're starting mm-hmm. off in that arena uh, or for the mm-hmm. early days of the farm, um, but also uh, prepping to be an organic uh, pesticide. Um because there's a huge market for pesticide here, uh, but it's okay. all, it's, it's not organic at all. And so we'd be introducing something new, mm-hmm. but there's already a huge market for pesticide people wanting, but they don't know how to use organic pesticide or create organic pesticide. And hmm. so that's what the farm is going to be um, based on for its first uh, five years, essentially. Right. That's it's, really cool. Cause you'll give them an alternative to their current system without saying, just stop it. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're giving them, you know, it's, it's a parallel system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not just, you can no longer yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, and it's giving them a way to introduce something at their own, with their own choice. Like they can choose, yes. we could teach them how they could uh, utilize these um new things that they 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 haven't been using yet mm-hmm. and um and do it in a way that is is again um aligned with the the needs that they want they want they don't want to i mean they have a, a big fear of not being able to um get the get the production like they they can they're one year away from losing their farm essentially a lot of the farmers here right oh really one one season away because they have a bad crop or whatever um and that's uh, for a lot of farmers that's that's really what it comes down to especially mm. subsistence farming right yeah um and so teaching them and having them um uh that's that's a whole other part of the market is we're also in education and so this is part of the expat side of things agritourism yeah. and, and whatnot mm-hmm. our business model is actually helping regenerative entrepreneurs it's 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 a platform for that so the land is is a working farm but it's also a place for agritourism for retreats Mm -hmm. for expats and other people that are maybe wanting to build their own farm start their own business in that or people panamanians or uh tikas uh to to and those in the central america region to learn from business models and to collaborate and to to build from the so a huge part of our revenue um, model for the farm is actually agritourism and retreats and education, right? And so bringing people in um, and a lot of a lot of farms that are transitioning, they need that type of income because farming is not 
uh, regenerative farming isn't isn't really uh, making that them the money that they need. And I, I know you understand that Judith, because you're, you're doing your consulting, you're doing the other, the other work that that's helping us to, to transition as well until we reach the point, the, the tipping point where you see your cash crops working, that all the systems are starting to, to, to come together. Um, mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you're planning a very biodiverse, uh, system right here. It's agroforestry. So you're planning multiple different different trees and different things, but you do have your cash crop crops, whether it's turmeric, whether it's cacao, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. ours is going to be uh, organic pesticide and fertilizer is mm-hmm. a, is a huge cash crop for us. Right. Um, cool. But we have all the other systems com- coming into play, but before those systems, the, the land-based systems are, are in play, the way that we're tr- a lot of farmers, a lot of regenerative farmers are transitioning is through education yeah. by teaching other others. And, and agritourism, showing others what a beautiful uh, world it could be if we do more of this, right? What's possible, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's a way that we can transition. Um, there's a lot of a lot of farms here in in Costa Rica and Panama that are are uh, regenerative or permaculture designed um, that are are using those same models. In the first years, some of them have gotten beyond that to where they're making a, a fair amount just from their land base. Uh, stuff doesn't mean that their education isn't a, a significant part of their revenue, but they could they the farm could live on its own through its own means, right? But it takes you know that transition period. Uh, it's bumpy. Um, it's it's the valley it's of death. Yeah, it is the valley <laughs> of death. It is it is bumpy. It really is. And and for people to make it in farming today, they have to have multiple ventures layered upon things. You know, you mm-hmm. have to have. Uh, yeah, no waste. It's it's very permaculture concepts, but you know I've got too much goat's milk, so I have a goat milk and uh, goat milk uh, shampoo bar business on the side, and mm-hmm. there's there's all my extra milk is taken care of, you know, and um, you know compost for the gardens and things like that. Well, I've got chickens and other animals, and use the manure for that, and you know building the soil and yeah. Yeah, it's it all needs to work together in concert and it takes it takes time to build up these layers and for the farmer himself or herself to learn that one layer. Right? I mean, I spent a year just learning how to keep sheep alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's really tough. People coming from non-farming backgrounds, even with the best of intentions, it takes time and mm-hmm. it it every farm is different. And there's no two that are the same and it's it just takes time and during that time uh you know you're you're hoping that one bad year like you said doesn't put you out of business or set you back or um break your bank yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and that is there's lots of farmers all all over but it's especially true for those that are trying to um move away from these types of, of, uh, the, the, the extractive system, the farming system that we have. It's almost like starting farming all over again, because it is so different, even though at the end of the day, you're still handing someone, you know, something to eat. The methodology is so different that it really is learning to farm again. 
Well, and it's, and, it's, it's, what it's funny yeah. to me is like, we just lost all this generational knowledge of what it was like before oh, we yeah. had all these, this system in place, you know, Absolutely. Uh, and, and we talk about indigenous knowledge in, in permaculture and, and we've lost so much of, of, of that. And so we have to kind of relearn yeah. um, those pieces. Right. Um, yeah. So that's happened in Panama as well. You mentioned the Tikas. Is that your, is that the indigenous um, population? I'm uh, embarrassed. I don't know who the Tikas are. No, uh, sorry. That's the slang for Costa, Costa Rican. Um, so it's our neighbors. It's our oh, vecinas. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, vecinas, vecinos, our, our neighbors in Costa Rica, because we, we butt up against uh, Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of um, Costa Ricans living in Panama and vice versa. Panamanians living in mm-hmm. Costa Rica. Um, yeah, it's the culture here is really, really interesting. The indigenous have a really hard time here. Mm-hmm. Um, they are mostly working on farms are in rural areas. If they're not in their own, uh, village, a lot of their villages have been disrupted. Mm. Um, they're, they don't have a lot of rights. They've been forced onto similar to us and Canada have been forced on the land that wasn't theirs originally or areas that they're not not uh really native to in their own villages and they're they're they have extreme poverty right um Mm. so there's there's a lot of challenges there but there's still there's still some knowledge especially building material knowledge like how do you build a sustainable um uh dwelling in the rainforest is largely unknown to uh uh, most of the the world, right? It's all concrete <laughs> and metal roofs, and um, but they have some really amazing sustainable wattle and daub techniques, and there's still, um, you know, kind of the the type of thatch house roof, um, you know, different types of building materials that you can use from the forest. Um, that is really only the indigenous have have kept that kept that knowledge and that's the same for a lot of a lot of uh really the most regenerative um solutions are are those that have been held generationally through um people that have lived in place for for a significant amount of time right um and we've lost a lot of that knowledge especially in, in farming <laughs> yes uh, with with the the green revolution, I guess you could say during the the fifties and sixties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just when people started to disconnect from where their food comes from, what they say in before world war II, 80% of the population was on farms and it was Mm -hmm. all, it was a myriad of small farms across America. And, um, then it was, was it Earl Butts department of agriculture? He said, get big or get out. And all of the small farms um, started to lose ground to the policies put out. And this is, I'm speaking for the United States, but uh, lose ground to the policies. And a lot of the advances um, that were made by the national effort to have food that was preserved and sent to the troops overseas was then reapplied to shipping 
food across the United States and making it shelf stable and putting it in freezers and convenience food. And then there was a luxury item and then people didn't have to um, do the work anymore. Now they could have more money and they could have leisure time and they could have um, high paying white collar jobs and you didn't have to slave out in the sun and sweat anymore. And very quickly within two generations, we became disconnected with our food and we forgot where our food comes from. And today people, I swear they do not realize that food does not come from the grocery store. They, they, <laughs> they know they get it at the grocery store and the thought of, oh, how did it get there is it's like it's not even within their thought process. They don't have to, you know, it's always there. It's a plentitude in the United States. We're, we're so fortunate. We suffer yeah. from plentitude. And I think COVID really woke a lot of people up. And that kick started, at least in the United States, and I think globally, kick started a lot of wait, wait a minute, wait what's going on in our supply chain and our food supply chain. I, I think it's sort of, it was this collective wake up call and it jolted mm -hmm. a lot of people awake and I'm seeing so much interest in people who say, I planted my first garden and it was terrible. Like, that's okay. Your first garden's your worst garden. That's okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, they just, they want to, there was a woman this summer who she said, I, I want to come to your farm because I've never, planted a vegetable i was like say what so she came over just to put tomato plants in the ground and plant peas and plant radishes with me and turnips she mm -hmm. just wanted to plant plants because she'd never done it before and she wanted someone to teach her how she was um i want to say she was in her early 60s yeah wow yeah. i know right and then i have my son who's 21 years old his friend he comes over every other Saturday morning and he's like, I want to learn about sheep. And he comes over and he does chores, just normal morning farm chores every other Saturday morning because he wants <laughs> to learn. It's just amazing. You know, when we bought this farm 10 years ago, our whole family was like, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? You don't need to do that. You got a master's degree. What are you doing? It's so much work. Just go to the store and buy cheese. Don't make it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and the interest is coming out of the woodwork, all ages, all walks of life, all orientations and, and politics and, and socioeconomic strata. It's, 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 it's really interesting. And it was hard in the beginning. And I always know it was hard for you because I think that we were starting our farm right around the same time that you were start, trying to start your homestead in Montana. We're not alone. We were just early. It's one of the tough things yeah. about being early, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh we're we're getting a bigger and bigger community all the time it is growing yes. gangbusters it really is yes and you see this i i've really noticed it as we've started uh see the dow and and yeah. really focusing on on uh entrepreneurs that are finding their way to these these solutions or or yeah working through um there's this it's a global global movement and we may be well i forget the averages or the percentage of regenerative uh produce or regenerative farming uh -huh. it, i think it's like it's still under five percent right of really it's that small still okay i um but like the but we're still talking 
a all over the world, there's people that are, are making these types of changes yeah. right? and, and realizations and mindset uh, pivots. I, I think a lot of that has to come down to like, it's built within us, right? To be attached to nature and to be um, close to um, yeah. these close to the, to the earth, to the soil, to understand. Uh, and so we're, we're feeling that disattachment. Yes. And you see so many people kind of rushing into it uh, yes. in so many different ways, right? Like you, you understand pr the PDC and the, the permaculture design course, right? Yes. People are going out and getting their pr pr permaculture design certificates. It's like in entry level. But I, I, there's this pattern that exists um, almost every time, like you get people from all sorts of walks of life, like people that are stuck in a tech job, you know, but love to garden, uh, you know, go take their PDC. And all of a sudden they're like, my life has changed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they're crazy. And they're like, like I got to do something about this. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, it's the almost scales the fall as... from their eyes. Right. Yeah, Suddenly yeah. like the world is different. They're like, you know, and that it, old movie, they, live, took, they they put on the sunglasses. They're like, wait a minute, what's going on? It's like, you woke up. It only took a, a weekend, <laughs> a weekend uh, course on, on, on permaculture yeah. design or something. And, and their eyes are opened and, and uh, they, they feel like they need to do something about it. Right. And so you're seeing this all over. Oh, yes. I don't know. So true. Um, I don't know the exact causes of it, but for me, it's this uh, I, I sense it's a, a lack of um, their connection with nature and connection with others that they, they, it just hits them and they resonate with it. And they're like, I gotta, I gotta live my life th this way. Right. But they're, yeah. they're often, they're often already stuck in these systems. And this is the, 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 the second biggest takeaway besides community for, mm -hmm. for us in our journey. And it's been, that you can start wherever you're at and don't yes. um, don't try to um, not do the skill set or the, the 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 life that you've already been living right like if you are in the tech sector and you're like a develop a web developer or a software developer and then you find out about permaculture don't don't just go run off and be a, be a farmer like keep your skill set too right mm -hmm. uh, live you can live your life and just do small, the, the smaller changes towards uh, living that, that more regenerative lifestyle. Right. And actually utilize both of them. And that's what we learned, right? We have this great skill set in marketing and branding, but we also wanted to be the farmer and, and whatnot. And, but what we, we, we forsook everything else around us just to go out and become something that we, we had no skill set in and we didn't utilize what, what our natural talents were already uh, being that were already being developed, right? So, it's a yes and, you know, yes, solution. Yeah. yeah, like go out, uh, garden, maybe maybe buy a farm, start start farming, but don't quit your day job. Don't quit learning the skill set that you've went to school for or still have a passion for within the system that we know is, is, is broken or, or is in transition. Right. Um, and that's, that, that was the, the big, the, the second big lesson that we, we took away from our experience, of, uh, building our, our first off grid farm and, and then moving into, um, regenerative, helping regenerative business.
I love that. Those are some wise words. And um, you mentioned the the soul sucking feeling of your job that you left. I, I think I've heard that term so many times from other people, the soul sucking nature of my job. And it's usually when people come home after staring at a screen all day or being in meetings, it's virtual work. And I think as human beings, not only do we need to be in touch with nature and the earth and natural processes and seasons, but outside in the sunshine. And then we also have another need, which I think a lot of people ignore, and that is to do something with our hands. Mm -hmm. I think that there's something hardwired into us where we need to see a concrete result. Because I know for me, for the first, oh my gosh, up until two years ago, when I started farming full-time, it was a weekend warrior, you know, every day after work and, and uh, mad yeah. hustle in the morning and go to work with hay in my hair, right? But that's not farming. <laughs> that's not farming full time. I mean, you know, going and putting on the boss hat that was paying the bills, really. But it was that feeling of accomplishment Sunday evening that I had recharged. I had turned off my brain. I had left the virtual work at the workplace. And I had focused on actual physical problems. I had built something. I had fixed something. I had moved something. I had done something. We had harvested something. I had made something. There was something real. Whereas mm -hmm. I would come home from work and my kids are like, so what'd you do today, mom? And I tell them a story. And it's, it's interesting because of the human aspect, but I had nothing to actually physically show for it. I didn't make a widget. I didn't make a thing. I didn't do a thing. I just... It's all virtual. Yeah. And I think that the generations today, like I, I'm Gen X, right? I'm 52 years old. So I grew up watching the internet come to be. So mm -hmm. I ran around and picked raspberries on the weekends when I was a kid. You know, we had summers off. We were outside riding our bikes. We were doing stuff outside in nature. When we camped, it was like a pup tent uh or like a sheet with a stick and like some clothesline and stuff like that i mean it was like actual out in nature stuff and we had that advantage at that time in history and yeah, i think that today's generations yeah these generations you grow up with a tablet in the hand and uh you know digital everything i think that there is something to be said for the analog life mm-hmm yeah and mm -hmm. and the other thing you said that was really tickled a thought of me which was you know you don't have to quit your day job you know their eyes are open their awareness and they they want to do something and here's something that i tell people you can do something you can go to your farmer's market you can meet your farmer you can shake their hand you can tell them what you need then you can support them in doing what they're doing and by purchasing from them and supporting them and tell them what you are interested in purchasing from them and being willing to stick with them even throughout their transition process to organic fertilizers and herbicides and pesticides yeah sticking with them you are now ensuring that that regenerative farmers venture is successful so you can do your part even mm -hmm. if you're still desk jockeying right Grow your tomatoes on your patio and buy the rest from the regenerative guy, but vote with your pocketbook and support those people who are actually out there in the sun doing that work. And yeah, th that's a necessary part of the equation. It's mm -hmm. very, it's very necessary. It is. It is. I count on my to, customers. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it supports, supports yeah. us as, as, as farmers and as, yeah. um, 
trying to make those those types of transitions but you could you could even go you can go for me i think a lot of people are wanting to do even more than than just speak with the, the dollars that they have right yeah and they get they get excited i see so many people and if you are one of those that are just so excited want to do something want to you know like make this their their livelihood and uh-huh. you know like it's it's about it's about being an entrepreneur it's about maybe even taking on on some risk and if you want to do that you don't have to do that overnight uh and that's that's one of the things that i'm seeing is like there's a lot of people that are getting their pdc and then they say this is this is my life i want to i want to make this how do you make money doing this because i just want to do this you know mm-hmm. and and if people are are at that level um you start 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 with community start start understanding mm-hmm. um where you can add value in the community that mm-hmm. you, communities that you're involved in mm-hmm. right and that to me i think is is like something that everybody can do at any any stage right i love that um, yeah so it, and then you, and then you might see a need that that you can that you have a skill set for right that you are passionate about and that can actually pay you right and if you can get that those three they, they call that the hedgehog uh, uh concept um the hedgehog concept familiar. yeah it's it's from jim collins it's a it's an entrepreneurial oh. book yes uh, good good to great right good, yeah from good to great yeah and and uh if you can get those three and that was a part of what we had to find for us right um what can drive what 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 pays us what we're passionate about and uh what skill set we have um and that really comes in for a large part that came to us through by engaging in our community by engaging in um the global regenerative community and seeing what we what we might be able to 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 serve uh through the skill sets because there are we we need all sorts of people we need we need software developers to help us mm-hmm. uh we need uh someone that's working in the textile industry to help us change the change the way that we look at fiber we need people that are working in um uh food food pr- production and food food channels and um we need all all of those those and we need people that are that are community builders that are uh salesmen that are we need all of it but they it's the mindset the the mindset that you bring into that that helps us to move towards the the regenerative uh, future, regener- a, a new economy that's based on um, more equitable and fair solutions, right? That's beautiful. Yeah, I love the way you just framed that. That that really resonated with me, and I hope it resonates with other people. It's take those skills and reapply them in a regenerative ta- uh, way, even if you have to take personal risk, if you really believe in it. I love that. It's a beautiful message. Yeah, many of us want to take on that risk because it's yeah, it's really the fulfillment, right? And if we're not getting fulfillment in the job that you currently are, that's why it was life sucking for me. In oh, the yeah. desk job. It was it was the lack of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was like you said the, the hands on part yeah. of that. That's at the end of the day. You 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 grew something. You you uh, raised uh, raised a, a kid, or you 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 did something that was um, tangible. And that gave you fulfillment, but there's many things that can bring us fulfillment in, in life. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think that's what, what we're lacking 
Um, and that's why a lot of people resonate is like, that's super fulfilling to be able to regenerate something, right? Yeah. To, to see something better than it was before to see generationally that, that my children have something. And that's a huge part of why I do what we do. Cause I want I want my children to, to see more biodiversity, not the biodiversity be completely wiped out because of our, the systems that we have in play. Right. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so these people that you have just been talking about, um, these are the people that have joined you at seeds of Dow, right? People who are yeah. interested in, in, in contributing in all these different ways and tech and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. How many, what is the size of this community that you've managed to build? So we, we, we're still a small community, but we, we have, um, you know, our podcast is, uh, reaching, uh, several thousand people, a, a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, a following that's, uh, you know, uh, in the tens of thousands now, uh, okay. of people that are there. And then we have a small community that's more, um, uh, the entrepreneurs that are, that are building businesses that are in our courses, in our, we have our first release course is a marketing and branding course, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. Yeah. Our skill, well, Hey, skill that's set, your skill right? and you're putting and it out there. We're, yeah. we're using, we're, we're kind of redefining what marketing looks like in terms of, we're not looking to exploit people through our message and be the, you know, the, the typical, uh, spin doctors that, that market marketers seem to seem to be betray, be portrayed as but mm-hmm. we're actually authentically helping um, regenerative brands market in a regenerative way as well and so this course helps these these transitional brands that are moving away uh, from these extractive uh, pieces to, to build brands that are, that are regenerative and uh, so we're helping them and you know that's helping uh, a couple, uh, a couple hundred at this point, uh, we're getting people into our, um, uh, future courses as well. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, I'm really excited to release our first, um, incubator, uh, cohort, um, official incubator cohort. We were kind of alpha testing and beta testing with an incubation mo- model for entrepreneurs to take their business and businesses, whether it's just an idea or they're they're to have, uh, a growth goal or a a goal impact goal that they have for their business to take it through incubation and to accomplish uh, accomplish it within a uh, a three to six month period, right? So uh, that starts in the beginning of the year. And so, uh, if you're interested, please please um, join us for for that. We also do a bunch of free events. Um, we do a monthly think tank. That you mm-hmm. have, have you joined us for a think tank yet? <laughs> Uh, I listened love, in love. on one. I wasn't able to. I was actually traveling to a client site last time you did. Oh, one, I do. I, I do remember. You yeah, but I, I definitely want to. Um, um, yeah, I think it was uh, the, the word I used was apiary. What, apiary what was, the was the word you were like, what's what is it? What is it called when someone has bees? I'm like apiarist, apiarist. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, apiarist. Yeah. You're like, what's it called? A beekeeper? I'm like apiarist. <laughs> 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 yeah. So. Um, yeah, I definitely want to continue with that and we can definitely talk more about that offline, but I've just been so impressed with the people who are doing different things just within that small cohort that I met. It was, 
I was like, wow, oh my gosh, there's other people out there doing this stuff. That's so cool. You talk about a community, you know, goosebumps. My goodness. I love it. I absolutely loved it. It was so inspirational and so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're all over the world, right? Um, yeah. And we may, it may seem like you're all alone in your, your current area and location, but uh, you're not alone. And that's what like the think tank that we do monthly helps us to to recognize and to collaborate together and to learn together and, and to mm-hmm. start working on uh, these very important um, uh, businesses that, that, that people are, are trying to create impact with. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So how can people follow you more and uh, keep tabs on what you're doing and support you and where can they find you Want to give that a plug? Yeah. So seeds of Dow. Mm-hmm. is our website and it's spelt like the Dao De Ching. So it's not like D-A-O, it's T-A-O because that's how you pronounce it. So seedsofdao.com. Um, and I'll give you that link so you can put it in your show notes or whatever so okay. people can can check that out. And there's some free events that we do. Um, monthly, we do a think tank and then we're trying to do it monthly as uh, as well, but sometimes some months we don't have... Uh, have a masterclass, but we do masterclasses with an entrepreneur that is re- a regenerative entrepreneur that has mastered some part of their business uh, and would like to share that information with others. And so you can uh, join us for masterclasses on all sorts of di- different things, whether it's um, their land um, uh, practices land, uh, or design practices or mm-hmm. um, uh, more tangible, like the um marketing or business side of their business, Mm -hmm. um, or even the personal, like, how do they just keep on doing, um, a very, uh, difficult job of being an entrepreneur, right. Uh, let alone an entrepreneur that's impact driven in the regenerative realm. It is scary sometimes. And it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's so scary. (laughs) It's like a roller coaster. (laughs) So really just, yeah, go to our website, join us for an event and you could, you could, uh, uh, also just reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Great. Uh, if you want to reach out. Great. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and I wish you all the luck in the, in the world. I would love to have you on in the future and you can talk about where you were, uh, in the future versus, you know, where you were today. And when you're about, um, how far along your farm venture has gone and what's up at Seeds of Dow. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to, to revisit the journey with you, Judith. So thanks thanks for having me on today. Yep. Super fun. Take care. Ciao.